Welcome to the Meraki Musings podcast, where we discuss all things creativity. I am your host, Amy DeRosa. Okay, awesome. So my second ever guest on the show is an inspirational speaker, musical comedian, writer, entrepreneur, and powerhouse facilitator, Claire Elizabeth D. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much. And you got my name right. So, <laughs> so people... many people say Claire Elizabeth Day or dear and so I'm just like no it's like the alphabet Claire Elizabeth D so thank you so much for getting my name right Amy (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) I'm glad that I did now that it's yeah yeah I'm glad that I got it right for you um it's so so wonderful to have you on the show I think um it's so lovely to have you in in my sphere I think we've got a few mutual friends who are also pretty powerhouse creatives and we met in my lounge room one morning (laughs) before the kind of the day of um uh like toward the end of your tour when you were uh touring Australia doing your show Spiritual Love Gurus and yeah I went to see it that night and it was amazing it was hilarious um I really love how you you made so much light and humor of the spiritual community. And I feel like sometimes I was like, is she speaking directly to me? <laughs> but taking the piss I out was. of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and bringing light to that. I love that. And I also love how you, you step this line between like comedy and vulnerability and, and being so raw and real. And I left feeling uplifted and inspired and and I really enjoyed the experience so it's a pleasure to have you on the show and and get to know more about you and your creative process oh thank you so much I feel like I I I should have paid you like to do that great (laughs) testimonial for me (laughs) yeah well I mean you can make a donation (laughs) I, I remember vividly meeting you uh, the day before uh, the Sydney show, I was actually feeling really sick and really vulnerable that day. And I remember actually just coming across you and your whole household and just feeling this nurturing warmth. And I was just so excited that you would be in the audience because for me, the show is about the audience and who is in the audience makes the show. And uh, I was just so excited knowing that you would be there and obviously the rest of your house and, yeah, the Sydney show was just so amazing. And it was, it was the final show. It was, you actually came to the final show of the Australian tour. So, yeah, it was a really uh, special awesome. night for me. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and I felt like uh, after meeting you during the day and then like I – had just a bit more of an insight into you and your story and then I got to learn even more about it through the show so that was great and yeah I think you brought something up that um is so powerful with art and creating is like the dynamic and the relationship between the artist or the creator or the performer and the audience (laughs) and the person and the people that are receiving it and how that interplays so could you speak a bit about that with, um, you know, as, as a performer? Mm, I think it comes from my years of training in the Meisner acting techniques. So 
I uh, moved to London about 10 years ago and uh, did this amazing one-week training in the Meisner acting technique. And when I had experienced it, I knew that this was my calling. Like I'd been in the entertainment industry for 10 years and I just couldn't put my finger on why nothing was working for me, why when I went into an audition room, I just wasn't believable. I wasn't authentic. I just couldn't be myself. I had no connection to the audience or to the audition panel. And when I went to London and I experienced this really deep improvisation work, uh, I, I knew that I was home and I knew I had to stay and I had no money to stay in London. And uh, so I did a big prayer out to the universe for $15,000 and uh, I, I rang my mum and I said, hey, mummy, uh, do you have $15,000 you can lend me? <laughs> and uh, she's like, no, darling. And I'm like, can't you just do that mortgage the house thing? <laughs> and she's like, no, darling. And I remember uh, journaling for 24 hours about all the benefits for me, for Melbourne and the world if I could actually stay in London and do this training. And exactly 24 hours later, uh, my mum rings me and says, you'll never believe it. Uh, I've got a letter from my superannuation and I can actually access $15,000. And you can, you can borrow it and you can stay. And so I, I saw that obviously as divine timing <laughs> and that this was my purpose. And so for six months in London, I trained in this amazing Meisner acting technique. So Sanford Meisner was a New York acting coach. He died in the 90s. He trained Many, many, many famous uh, actors and actresses, Sandra Bullock, Diane Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Chris Noth, lots and lots of famous actors. But um, what was really special about my training in London was that my teachers, uh, and especially the principal of the school, Tom Radcliffe, he was a Buddhist monk. So he actually infused all of these spiritual principles in with the acting technique. And so I came back to Melbourne after six months of training in this technique and I opened up my own acting school and this gave me this chance for six years to really, really learn about the craft and really learn about how to connect with an audience really, really deeply. And so About four years ago, I uh, had come out to the world with my story that I had Poland syndrome and I only developed one breast and uh, my shame around that. And I knew that I had to create a one-woman show around it. And I knew that if I had this dream to tour Australia and put all of my eggs into this basket, I needed to close down my school. And so then I infused all of these Meisner acting techniques that I had learnt and taught into this show and so I think that is the core of what people walk away with that when they come to my show they're like oh my god I just laughed so much but I cried so much and I was so moved and I felt like you were talking directly to me as you just said and that comes from just this really basic training of being really fully present in your body really knowing your audience and connecting moment to moment because your show that you saw me in Sydney 
which was the evening show, was totally different to my afternoon show and totally different to my Melbourne shows and my Perth shows and my Queensland. Every show is so different because I work moment to moment off the audience. And so having you and the beautiful women from your household in the audience really influenced my performance that evening because you brought such a sense of safety and openness and, uh, yeah, I, I just, I dearly, dearly, dearly uh, remember that last show and it's just so true. It's it's about how you work moment to moment off the audience and it's this constant relationship that you're building. Mm, thank you so much for sharing about that and and going into the Meisner and that school and how they co- combined uh, the Buddhist teachings because I, I really think that um, spirituality and personal development is so beneficial for the creative practice. Like they really go hand in hand and there's so rich, so much richness in both. Um, yeah. And I agree with you in, in like the, um, with the audience. I mean, my partner and I do like sound healing journeys with people. And at the very beginning, um, you know, we would have like the plan, like the set list. Okay, we're going to do this song and then we're going to do this song and then this song, you know. And then um, early days it would start and we would do it and something would happen that just made us have to like throw the set list out the window, you know. (laughs) It was just like, okay, here we are, fuck, you know. It's like us and it's this audience of people laying here and what are we going to do, you know. And it kept happening and it was like, okay, the universe is teaching us and showing us that. We just need to be fully there and feel into the audience and what's happening in the space and tune into that and respond to that. So I think there's a real potency in that, but I feel like it doesn't happen straight away. So, I mean, I'd love you, like, if you could share a bit about that, Claire, because if you are able to be so dynamic and fluid in your performances, how did you get to be in that space? Uh, it took many, many, many years of being the total opposite. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I grew up as a dancer uh, and actually, if I'm being really honest, I probably learnt it from busking as a child. So mm. I grew up uh, wanting to be a Betty ballerina <laughs> and uh, my father got retrenched Uh, He lost his job and my parents said that they couldn't afford for my dance classes anymore. And uh, so that was when my inner entrepreneur was born. And I'd been watching down the street this little boy playing the violin and people did this amazing thing. They threw him money. (laughs) And I thought I could do that. I play the recorder. I know how to play hot cross buns. And so I went down to my local shopping centre and uh, wore my little pigtails and Mum would dress me up poor so that we could make more money. And <laughs> I had this ice cream bucket, you know, like the one that you throw up into in, you know, when you're sick as a child, when you've got car sickness, got that bucket out and uh, a sign saying I'm busking to pay for my dance classes. And I think I really learned as a kid to just work moment to moment. I just was like, well, what song do I feel called to play at the moment? I mean, at the start, it was literally Hot Cross Buns and Mary Had a Little Lamb. But over time, you know, my repertoire expanded. <laughs> it had to. <laughs> and uh, and I, I learned to, you know, navigate moment to moment working with the crowd. But 
also growing up as a dancer and uh, doing dance competitions, it was all about smiling and getting it perfect and getting it right. And uh, that really, I guess, tormented my creativity that I started to believe that there was only one way that you could do it. And that rehearsal was about trying to find that perfect way. But as I've learned through uh, many, many, many years of failed auditions <laughs> and uh, through then many, many years of great acting training, is that rehearsal is for you to experiment how many infinite ways you can do a scene or a song. Like my poor, poor boyfriend listens to me practicing the same song on this piano back here. If you're watching the video, uh, <laughs> I've got the piano in the background here. I'll do the same song for five hours. And because I love experimenting with how different I can do it each time, how can I play with the tempo? How can I play with the emotional journey? How can I play with different actions as an actor within the song? Like what happens if I start to flirt at the start of the song, even though it's a sad ballad? What happens? And so I'm constantly in the world of question of what else is possible? What other part of me could come out? What would happen if I just stopped here and really took in my audience and really felt what they're feeling right now and put that in. And, and people are so surprised that I can be doing a whole comedy piece and in the moment of it I'm, I'm crying and the audience is crying because we're going deeper than the words. For me the words are just the icing on the cake. We're going underneath to the behaviour and the emotion and the connection. So I know I might have gone on a little tangent there. <laughs> No, that's okay. But, um, good. Yeah, I, I've been I've been fake forced and unbelievable. Like my my worst review was she was fake, she was forced, and she was unbelievable. And uh, and I think that came from the girl who had one breast and did not want you to know that she had stuffing on the other side, and didn't want you to know that she wasn't perfect, and so did every single thing to make sure that you thought that her performance was perfect. And in that, I was the total opposite to what anyone wanted to listen to or to connect with. So, yeah, it's a little mm. little backstory. <laughs> Thanks. I'm enjoying these backstories. Um, yeah, so, like, as uh, creatives, we really put ourselves out there, um, you know, in your auditions and, and all of that, in your performances as well. And, I mean, it's tricky because we're vulnerable in that um, and we can receive critique in that way. So um, that kind of sounds like some pretty heavy critique for you. How did you, how did you handle that? And, um, yeah, what did you learn from that? Well, I didn't handle it for a long time. I became extremely traumatized and from that became a just a really compulsive liar, really, um, and just smiling through it and uh, pretending. I, I, I would tell my friends and family that my audition went fabulous, even though it mm. didn't. Um, but what really got me through it was a whole lot of good damn therapy with an amazing psychotherapist. So uh, I did psychotherapy for 11 years uh, with an amazing man, Paul, and we did a process called voice dialogue. 
And this is actually a huge part of the work uh, that I teach now in my courses. And uh, it's all about going within and actually meeting all the different parts of self. Uh, So, for example, the parts that sabotage us and the parts that actually allow us to step more into our genius as a creator. And a huge part of me that was influencing my creativity and sabotaging my creativity uh, was my protector. So uh, I sometimes call this part the guard. So this is the part that uh, does will do anything to make sure that you do not feel hurt and you don't feel any negative emotions and that you don't feel any trauma. And so I'd actually created this character who was this positive spiritual guru because at the time I was reading every Louise Hay book and every Abraham Hicks book and, you know, watching every Tony Robbins seminar. And I, I bought the belief that everything had to be positive and love and light. And uh, that was how I coped with all of the rejection was that it's all okay, I can still be positive. But that actually wasn't the truth. Um, You know, I was really, really hurting inside. And the more that I was ignoring that rejected child, uh, the more my devil woman, who you met in my show, because she's one of the characters in my show, would be at the back of my psyche, you know, stirring the pot, you know, planning her revenge. (laughs) Because that's what parts of us do. If we actually ignore them and throw them in the basement and lock them up, um, then they're knocking. At the start, it's just little tiny knocks. And then over time, they're banging on the door and slamming the door open and you're having a car accident or, you know, you're finding yourself in a hospital for six months because, this part's taken over and said, I need to be heard. And so what I've actually done with my psychotherapist is learnt about all of these different characters within me and then learnt ways to actually help them with my creativity. So I don't try and reject any of my parts. I don't fire any of them from my creative team. I actually get them all at the same table and uh, have a roundtable mastermind with all of them and actually, you know, see how can we actually work together. And so I see myself as a baseball coach that, you know, I'm the coach of all the players on the team and sometimes some players need to be out there on the field and sometimes the players need to be on the bench. And uh, I have control of that and, uh well, you know, me and my higher power obviously, you know, has the larger control, but I'm learning with my ego to, you know, have a healthier relationship with the different parts of myself. And so now I can now go to an audition uh, or, you know, put myself out there uh, to sell a workshop. And if no one signs up or I I don't get the part or whatever happens, I actually admit that I feel really shit right now. It really, really hurts. And from that, I might go, go to the piano and write a song. And then through that, there's the healing. And I get to the end of it. I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And then I work out, oh, I didn't actually really want to run that course or Oh, some different opportunity came that was so much better because I believe that God, the universe, creative inspiration is always on your side, that whatever is for you, you know, will work for you. Mm. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. I forget what the question, the first question was, <laughs> but I'm so glad that we went through that because it's, it's crucial. Like I remember, um, I really love that your outlook on kind of those, those failures and accepting them and being with them and then kind of like looking at the silver lining within them or, mm. or even just like fully experiencing and feeling the failure. And then it kind of like, once you felt that it opens up to, what the silver lining is or the benefit mm. of that. Um, I really felt that I, I um, did my like first solo exhibition of these paintings and I hung them in this gallery and pretty much me and my boyfriend and my best friend came. And <laughs> it was totally devastating. Um, I love how like, I can laugh at that because yeah. I, I, I know it. <laughs> yeah. And it sucked and I was like, oh, man, like no one came. This it really sucked, but um, I just had to be in that, you know, it was what was happening. And then after that I was like, well, even though no one came, it was a huge win for me because I'd actually finished a whole room of paintings and I'd come from a place of not being able to finish a painting because I was just so filled with self-doubt. Um, so for me, actually it was a huge win, even though no one came. I won because I finished some paintings. <laughs> and I think that's like such a good thing to share with other people who are like on that creative journey that you are going to experience failure. Like it is bound to happen um, and to experience it and to move through it, see the silver lining and learn from it. I think, yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. <laughs> so Claire, do you think that, um, I mean, it kind of sounds like from what you've shared with us that you have been creative and entrepreneurial from the get-go. Um, do you think that everyone has, do you think, yeah, do you think that everyone has the capacity to be creative? I definitely think everyone has the capacity to be creative. I don't believe that everyone's genius is to be an entrepreneur. I don't believe mm. that everyone's genius is to be a rock star or a, or a comedian or a workshop facilitator. I feel like we all have our own creative gifts. I, I, we also have very different purposes. Like, for example, my mum makes the most amazing spaghetti bolognese and, uh, you know, that's a creative thing and uh, it nourishes me and, and inspires me and, and does all the things. And so I think the big thing is to not judge you know, what your creative genius is. Like some people it's creating video games and some people it's making candles and some people it's, you know, making beautiful artwork. And I think the moment that we compare ourselves to others' achievements and uh, what it's supposed to look like, we, we lose access to our creativity. So I do believe that we're all innate creatives and we all can be creative. But I believe that at any moment we can shut out our creativity. And the most creative people, the ones that have won many awards for their creative pursuits, also in any moment it can just go. It's like the light switches on, the light switches off, the light switches on, the light switches off. And uh, I just feel like the more we have uh, awareness of the sabotaging parts of ourselves, and the more we you know, trust our heart and follow our heart's impulses, uh, the more access we have to our creativity. Uh, so, yeah, I do believe that everyone's creative, but I don't, I don't try and, you know, tell every single person that comes and works with me that you're destined to do an amazing 
one person show. You know, it's mm-hmm. got to be your truth. It's got to be, it's got to be in your heart. But I also, for example, my own story is that I was the worst singer. Like, I mean, the like, I think of me as a child and I had such a passion to be a pop star. And, you know, I just spent hours and hours and hours every day with the hairbrush and singing. And, you know, as I got older, I realized actually I really didn't have a good singing voice. And I tried to convince myself that I did. But the real truth was that I was quite tone deaf and uh, I, I just really couldn't sing very well. And, but my heart kept telling me that singing was meant to be a big part of my life. And it didn't make sense because I had a really bad singing voice. But my heart knew more. And I remember going and seeing a naturopath one day and she said at the end, can I do a card reading for you? And she pulled out a card and she just said, you're meant to sing, like your destiny is singing. And I'm like, I know, and I'm going to class and I'm not very good. And she said, just continue. And so for 10 years, I I went to all of his different singing teachers. And yes, I got better because I practiced every day and I was disciplined and dedicated, but my progress was extremely slow. I mean, extremely slow. I mean, by 25, I could hardly sing Hot Cross Buns, but well, Hot Cross Buns in tune. Uh, And, but the thing was that when I actually told my story of having one breast and I connected more to my truth and I started to share more parts of who I was and I accessed more parts like the devil woman and I accessed my perfectionist and my critic and all these parts, I actually learned that they had access to a singing voice and when I was really connected to God and my infinite potential and I had a balanced relationship with these parts, a new voice came out. And when I started writing my own songs, then my true voice came out. And, yes, my singing voice isn't Mariah Carey. You know, I'm not going to probably be on Broadway in New York. That isn't my destiny because that isn't the gift that God gave me. The gift that God gave me was to be a storyteller. And one way that I do that is through song and through songwriting. Other ways is through comedy and workshop facilitating and writing my books and creating content on social media. And so I'm honest with myself that, hey, I'm, I'm not Mariah Carey, um, but um, that doesn't mean if you have a huge calling in your heart to be creative in that way, that you don't continue to do it. And now I have so many people say, I have your song in my head for weeks, for months, and it gives me so much healing. And it's given me so much healing. And so I think that is a really big message of mine, like, you know, for your audience and for any creatives, is that if you've got a creative pursuit on your heart and even if you don't think you're actually technically very good and you don't know how you're going to do it, trust that impulse and just start to, you know, creep out and give it a try, have some lessons and uh, just see where the path takes you. That's such beautiful advice. And I think I needed to hear that too. Um, (laughs) I feel like 
I really totally resonate with you on your singing journey. Um, I really felt that too. I loved singing as a child, but I don't think that I was very good and people were, people definitely wanted to tell me that. Um, but then, I, you know, later on I just had this feeling in my heart and I just wanted to sing so bad that I kept it very secret. Um, but eventually I just needed to start singing and get lessons and, and take that leap and it was a real healing process and I think, yeah, it's really fascinating that you said, you know, going through this journey and like doing a lot of healing and accepting more parts of yourself and that kind of like activated your voice because I think, you know, the voice is so powerful and you can hear what we're feeling on the voice and I feel like the voice doesn't lie. Mm. <laughs> you know, when I'm, doing a, when I'm doing a sound healing, it's so important where I'm at because if I'm feeling nervous or frazzled you can hear it in my voice and Mm. yeah so I think the more work we do on ourselves and our healing um, and accepting those parts of ourselves the more um, more that we can just show up as authentically when we're when we're performing or when we're expressing and, and following our heart and the other thing that you mentioned is like you know following your your passion and what you're called to do and not comparing it to other people Mm. and not thinking like, oh, this is what that creative person is doing and this is what they're doing and so where do I fit into that and and should it look more like someone else's? Like just do you because I think that that is, you know, I think that creativity is kind of part of our evolution and how we evolve collectively and individually and we have to honour whatever our heart is calling us to do because if we're trying to do someone else's, we're not evolving. <laughs> we're not moving forward. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us, Claire. Um, so you've, you've shared a lot about, you know, um, some of the, the past stories and things that have brought you to where you are now, but I'd love to know, um, you know, your offerings um, and what you're bringing into the world and what you're really creatively vibing with at the moment. Mm, thank you for that opportunity to share. Um, oh, so many things. Uh, it's obviously been just such an interesting couple of years uh, with the whole virus and, uh, and how my creativity has fit into that because I did have this huge burning desire to create a one-woman show and toured around Australia and uh, I did my Perth show and then Corona hit and, uh, you know, I, I live in Melbourne so, you know, we were stuck in lockdown for six months and I was like, well, how does my creativity work now? I, I can't perform. And uh, that is when I created, uh, literally it just came to me on my three-year uh anniversary not wedding anniversary <laughs> my three-year relationship anniversary with my partner we just you know had a bit of kinky sex and uh he was sleeping and um and this idea came for this spiritual online dating show and uh that's obviously how we're connected because of the beautiful amazing hilarious Kirsty Carr uh was a was a contestant and I know that she's one of your friends uh and she was one of the contestants on this show and I I cast all really creative women single creative women on this show so this was this way for me to be able to you know continue to support other creatives 
um, during this time while also helping singles to uh, meet other singles uh, during the lockdown period. Um, and I, But I was also really, really lucky that, you know, when Melbourne opened up, my intuition guided me to when to do my show in Melbourne, Sydney, Queensland, and I somehow was maybe one of the only performing artists in Australia that actually got to tour um, their, their show this year. And so I've just recently finished that, so obviously um, in Sydney, um, the show with you, and then I went up to Queensland and I did some geeks. And uh, I wish <laughs> that I could just continue to tour, but at the moment uh, I'm in this kind of place of deciding whether I want to have a baby. And uh, I know that you can uh, relate to that, considering your house is uh, full of uh, full of young children. And yeah. uh, and so I decided that I needed to come home to Melbourne and just ground myself and uh, really ask myself some, you know, really serious questions about, you know, how motherhood can look with my creativity. And uh, so I just started to write and I was just journaling every day and that sort of turned into a new memoir because I do have a book, The One Breast Goddess, Transforming Shame into Beauty, but I actually took it off the market last year because it just wasn't true anymore. I realised that a lot of it was just a whole lot of BS and it just needed to come off the market. And so I'm rewriting my memoir at the moment. And then actually from that came the idea of reading it a chapter at a time as a podcast and then also maybe interviewing some people. So, you know, that's why I'm very inspired and excited to be on this podcast because I've got my own ideas to uh, create a podcast soon. But as I was doing that, you know, God talks to me in really weird, wacky ways. And uh, God was like, well, while you're writing this book and creating this podcast and considering having a child, you know, you need a job. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, you know, I like money. Um, And so the idea came to get back into workshop facilitating. So I've actually been facilitating uh, workshops for 25 years. Uh, Very, very soon will be my 25-year anniversary. So, you know, I I taught dance classes for six years. I had an acting school. I've been teaching personal development and dating workshops and public speaking workshops and all the things. But it was like, well, what can I bring now? Like with this experience of traveling with this uh, one-woman show and with this experience of uh, creating things during lockdown, how can I help others? And, uh, yeah, this eight-week course kind of uh, emerged and so it's called Rock the Page, Rock the Stage and uh, I'm facilitating the first round of it as we speak and uh, I'm absolutely loving it. So uh, we have a range of wannabe and professional writers, speakers, performers, podcasters, YouTubers, content creators, mothers. (laughs) We have a whole range of people that just have a real desire in their heart to either write a book or create a show. So most of them either want to create a podcast or want to create a solo show. And so uh, we have a lot of uh, you know, wannabe comedians and rock stars and uh, and also professionals that have actually been working um, as creators for many years but just feel like they would love to have more accountability and uh, love to have a group of creatives to collaborate with. So 
that's what's really exciting for me, that every week we write together, uh, we delve into the archetypes that sabotage us, we delve into a variety of performance archetypes like the storyteller, the comedian, the rock star, the actor, the artist, the siren, the messenger, a whole range of archetypes. And then every week uh, the participants are creating a video and posting it in our private group um, just to keep accountable that they're doing something for their creativity each week. And uh, so last night we had week two and it was the storyteller week. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited because so many of them were blown away that there was an actual structure for creating an amazing story and so, uh, yeah, I taught that last night and then now this week, uh, you know, writing and recording a story in a way that they never thought about telling a story before. So that's really, really exciting. So I'm, I'm loving it so much that I've already put on my website. This is actually the first time I'm announcing this to anyone. Um, so, <laughs> um, is that, yeah, I've just put on my website that I'll be repeating, uh, this course, uh, next year so uh february early february um i'll be doing another eight weeks so that's really exciting that i'm loving it that much that i'm already wanting to uh do it again and uh i'm also been thinking well what's the next step for the creatives that are you know that i'm journeying with or other creatives that are in my field that um I think have a resonance with me and would love to work with me, but maybe the rock the page, rock the stage isn't the offering for them. And I realised that I've been creating shows like my whole life. Like since I was a little kid, I was just constantly creating shows um, for my family in the lounge room to then having a dance school and creating these amazing shows and then having an acting school and creating these awesome theatre pieces to now, you know, writing my own musical and comedy show and touring that around and I'm like that is what I do that is what I love I love shows (laughs) (laughs) I love shows and I love shows that are immersive and interactive and take people on a journey and connect them to more parts of themselves so I guess this is a call out again I haven't talked about this um publicly at all so uh this is a first I know lucky you and your audience (laughs) (laughs) is that I want to be able to create, you know, a a community of creatives that are either, you know, already developed a show and want to take it to the next level um, or they're wanting to birth a show. And, uh, you know, I guess most people will be drawn to me because they want to do a solo show on stage. Um, But I also get people that, you know, want to learn those skills to do a TED Talk or, you know, do a YouTube show or whatever it is. So at the moment I'm talking to some other facilitators so that I can have guest facilitators as part of it because it would be very boring if it was just me every week. Um, So I'm looking at that being maybe a five, six month, uh, you know, once a week sort of mastermind, I guess. And, uh, yeah, so it's in very, very early development. I would probably launch that to start in February as well. Uh, And, yeah, so I'm just trusting, I guess, my intuitive impulses and seeing what happens moment to moment. And so, uh, yeah, so if anyone's listening and feels like, oh, I could be interested in uh, 
either rock the page, rock the stage, or um, working on a show in a six-month container with a whole other group of creatives. Um, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Like I have, I have these, you know, two beautiful women uh, in my program at the moment who I think performed 30 years ago and, you know, I've gone and been mums and, you know, had different lives. And, like, just a minute, I've always wanted to create a one-woman show. And here I am at, you know, 50, 60 years of age. Why can't I do that now? And so that's what's so fucking exciting for me is that I get this opportunity to not just help people that are younger than me and, uh, you know, from that place of innocence, um, but also these people have so much more life experience than me that can teach me so many things, um, but I can help them, you know, tick off that, you know, that thing on their bucket list and that that thing that's on their heart. So, yeah, that is, that's what I'm juiced up about um, while I work out whether my next creative project is having a child. <laughs> yeah. Well, those courses sound so epic. They sound amazing and you sound like you're so equipped with um, so much wisdom and tools and experience to share with people on that. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Thanks for, for filling us in, Claire. Oh, thank uh, you for giving me this epic. platform to actually share about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was just like observing your joy in being a, like that feeling of um, inspiring people and seeing people within your course start to like take a hold of their creativity and own it. Um, it's such a good feeling. Like recently I taught a creative flow course. Um, it was just helping people tap into their creativity. And since then, like the people in my course, I've just seen them like stepping up and sharing so much more about their creative practice and like dancing in the kitchen and doing all this awesome stuff and I'm just like yes go you it just feels so good to to help to empower other creatives so I really feel like we've got that in common mm. um you mentioned something I'm gonna like backtrack a little bit because I I want to kind of delve into this um because it's something that I've noticed but I feel like um, isn't really spoken about much or maybe it's just I haven't come across it so much but like you said that you you had some great kinky sex and then it's like then you got this like idea for your course <laughs> and and also you know you're thinking about going on this potentially going on this journey of of bringing uh, a new soul into the world and and we all know what that begins with as well and <laughs> so I kind of want to talk about like creativity and sexuality or sensual, sensual energy because I think it's the same. And for me, sometimes when I'm painting or creating, like I get really turned on, like it's the mm. same kind of energy and it feels fantastic. Um, I'd just love to know a bit more about your experience with that. If you, if you want to dive into it, I can't be throwing you on, <laughs> throwing you in uh, on the spot here, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, and I'm glad that I'm not being judged um, for my kinky sex. <laughs> no, not at all. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Uh, so, I mean, obviously from my story of developing one breast, um, my whole, you know, sexual development was trying to hide my sexuality. So, you know, hiding my breast, uh, when I had sex, um, I always made sure that 
I was on top and so that I could cover the breath um, because I do have now a um, an implant. So I have one real juicy breast and one implant. And I, I never wanted my partner to actually know that there was an implant there. And so I would do everything to kind of hide it. And so even though um, I was always quite sexual um, and very connected to my sexuality, it was always associated with also hiding and shame. So um, I don't feel like I fully could explore, you know, all of my creative expression uh, in my teenage years and my 20s because I was hiding away from it and that was why then I was creating this career um, of what I thought, you know, I should be doing, like what does an actor create? What does a dancer create? You know, and watching what others are doing. And I just had very, very little access to my own uh, creative inspiration, really. And uh, But when I actually came out uh, first in a personal development workshop, uh, it was a singing personal development workshop. It was called Singing for Actors. Um, and I, for the very first time, sung about my breast and I sung about it with joy and, uh, and uh, we actually had to sing to a nursery rhyme. So we had to pick a nursery rhyme and uh, sing about our biggest shame or biggest challenge to a nursery rhyme. And that just opened me up. And so that when I open up to that and I open up then to having sex in a new way and uh, open up my body in a new way, had just more access to my creative genius. And so I don't think that you need to necessarily be having a lot of sex to, you know, create amazing things out in the world. I just think you have to be tapped into your your creative intelligence and all parts of you. And part of you is, you know, the archetype that um, we work with in Rock the Page, Rock the Stage is the siren. And, uh, you know, and that's the part of you that is just so just connected to the beauty of sexual energy and to your sensuality and how good the clothes can feel on your body and just how juicy my breasts can feel right now. And I can just move my hips and it just feels so good. And I think that when you allow yourself to enjoy and uh, have a healthy relationship. Like I know for se- um, for people, sex can actually be an addiction and it's not actually just coming from just this really inspired place. It's just coming from this, you know, I just need pleasure and I need it now or I need to be validated. I need that man to love me or that woman to love me or whatever it is. But when it's just coming from just divine connection, like my partner and I, we don't actually have a really, really active sex life. So when I'm saying, you know, we had some kinky sex, like um, it was it was a big deal. Like, um, you know, I, I created the space, you know, so there was space and time and energy on that day. And, um, you know, I definitely didn't have sex to then try and create, you know, an online spiritual dating show. I was doing it just for the pure joy and pleasure and fun of it. And then... God spoke, you know, Mm. and so I think that, you know, I think that there is sex magic out there, but I don't think we want to be pushing an agenda onto our creator. 
So yes, you could be, I'm going to use sexual energy to manifest things and you can have fun with it and play with it. Like if that feels fun for you, great, do it. But again, like with manifestation techniques, um, you don't want to be holding on to your end result and in a fixed way, like it has to look like this. Like I was holding on to this idea of how my acting career my performing career had to look. And until I actually let that go, could I actually open up to, oh, I have this potential to write. Oh, I could write my own songs. Oh, I've got this potential to be a comedian. Oh, you know, and so that comes from the infinite unknown. And I feel like good sex comes from that exact same place. So I do believe that there can be a synergy of them together. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I think about, you know, being sexy is someone who is all of themselves, like that just owns and embraces, you know, all of who they are in the moment. I think that's sexy. So, yeah, if you see that as as, as sex, like owning just, you know, all the parts of who you are and your creator, um, that is definitely going to help you with your creativity. Mm. I think you brought up such a good point in um, that I feel there's a similarity uh in both sex and in in creating things is like this letting go and this surrendering to creation or to the energy and yeah and and the same goes with manifesting things as well because sometimes we can like have an idea of what of who we are and what we want to create in the world and that can be kind of limited even if it's a good idea you know um because I feel like uh, God, the creator, the great spirit has like this amazing kind of infinite possibility that I don't think that we can fully grasp with our minds. And so when we're trying to hold on to that and create from that space or make love from that space, um, we limit it. So I think there's like that process of surrendering in both of those acts and, um, yeah, and, and also in the birth process too. Because <laughs> 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 that surrendering, again, it keeps like creativity and surrendering. It's, they seem to go hand in hand. Um, that is going to I, be my biggest surrender, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Well, you know, I've got a 10-month-old baby boy, so I just went through that huge process of, of surrendering in, in birth and, um, yeah, it was a wild ride. But, yeah, I, I feel like I could just talk about that so much. I'll have to do a birth, <laughs> birth podcast at some definitely. point. Yeah, because that's definitely part of creating creativity. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Claire. I feel Aww. like we've, you know, there's been so many awesome um, tips and, and tools and techniques for people. I feel like um, they would have learned a lot from you. Um, so, yeah, of course, if you are interested in doing Claire's Rock the Page, Rock the Stage next um, February, early this year, great way to kick off the year or um, if you're interested in creating your own solo show um, I'll put links to Claire and all of her magic and her offerings in uh, the show notes so you can check them out and find her um, yeah is Claire just before we go is there any like uh, tips that you want to leave um, creative people with in like how to tap into their um intuitive creative self because we've spoken about that a little bit mm -hmm. but we haven't really touched on just like how, how do you access that or any tips that you have in accessing mm. that 
Well, firstly, I just want to say a huge thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, it's really funny how our intuition works. When I met you straight away, when you walked in the room, my body had this resonance with you and this knowing that we would do something together. It was, it was really mm. weird. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was really weird. And I had this intrigue and having you in the audience at my show, I, I had this, Ooh, like she's got a really interesting energy that I'd love to play with. So um, first I just want to say, you know, a huge thank you and uh, a big shout out to uh, your partner and to all of your housemates and uh, to Josie and to Kirsty and, uh, you know, everyone that's brought us together. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like it's been this group collaboration of bringing us together. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, Josie and Kirstie are, you know, two of my favourite, favourite people and I look forward to getting to know you as well. I, I remember saying to Kirstie, oh, after the show, you know, and or maybe it was to Josie, like, I really love Amy. Like, I want to get to know Amy better. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. So, I, yeah, I just wanted to first, um, you know, recognise you and uh, that even though we don't know each other, um, I'm looking forward to getting to know each other more. Yeah, likewise. And, uh, yeah, a final tip. My creative inspiration comes to me when I am just in the doing. So the doing of the thing I love. So for example, here we've got in the background this piano. I'm, I'm staying at a friend's house at the moment. I'm here for two months and I'm in love with their piano and I just play it every day. I am not gifted at piano. I'm at about grade one <laughs> of piano. Um, but I just play it enough that I can sing along to my songs and uh, any other song that I want to, you know, sing. And as I'm in that practice, as I'm just doing that thing, little just knowings come to me, little just signs of inspiration. And I know that everyone's uh, imagination fires differently and we all connect to our creativity in a different way. Um, so I'm not saying that this is the answer for everyone. But I feel like that God works through action and because there's so much, you know, I guess hype around meditation and the sitting still, and I'm not saying that that isn't important to do, but you can't just sit around and just wait. <laughs> you know, you, you can't wait. You either can wait or you can create. And so for me is that even though the silence and the stillness is, is important, can you find that? with actually doing the things. So if you want to be a speaker, spend time every single day standing up, pretending your audience is there in your lounge room and speak. If you want to be a solo show artist, you know, pretend your lounge room's your audience, get on that piano or get on the mic or whatever it is and, and practice it. I mean, during COVID, the whole time that COVID was happening, um, you know, in the first six months of the Melbourne lockdown, I was still practicing my show. You know, not every day, but most days and pretending the audience was there. So I wasn't surprised that out of many performers in the world out there, you know, or in Australia, I should say, you know, that I actually got to perform this year because I kept practicing it. And creativity comes like with compound interest. The more you practice it, you know, the more access you have to it. So that's, you know, that, that's maybe my main tip is just look at what's the thing you want to do, practice it, practice it for fun, get some mentoring in it and uh, go for a ride with your creative genius. So, yes, that Beautiful. is one of my tips. 
Thank you for your tip and enjoy the the creative ride, everybody. (laughs) Thanks so much, Claire. Thank you.